Welcome to Beyond the Balance Sheet, the podcast that helps advisors, clinical professionals, and affluent families understand the complexities of issues related to our mental, physical, and emotional well-being. Our co-hosts, Arden O'Connor and Diana Clark, will interview a series of guests on a range of topics, providing informative content and practical tools for professionals and families to consider. Here are your hosts, Arden and Diana. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Balance Sheet podcast. So I have to say, I am excited to tape every one of these episodes, but today is a particular treat for me because I'm a client of the organization of the the lovely ladies who we have here from Donor Concierge. So welcome, uh, Gloria and Gail. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you. We're excited to be Thanks here. Thanks for having us. Of course. So rather than me read your bios, which I always very awkwardly do in these podcasts, I'm going to open by just asking both <laughs> of you ladies to give us a minute or two of background as to what you've accomplished and also more specifically, what brought you into the field of surrogacy and fertility? So Gail, maybe you could start. Okay. Sure. So I got involved in this uh, almost 30 years ago. Um, and it was actually um, when my children were quite young, we moved to California. My next door neighbor had an egg donor and surrogacy program. And my background's in psychology. I went to graduates uh, to Harvard Graduate <coughs> School of Education. And so it just, she was looking for someone and I started working with her and I found that I had a real heart for working with clients and you know trying to help them find someone that they could relate to. And what I learned was, um, you know, I found a donor concierge 17 years ago because it was so difficult for people to be able to find egg donor, sperm donor, gestational carrier that they could kind of relate to. So I worked, started working with many different agencies so that we could help people find what they're looking for in a much more kind, thoughtful, and um, efficient way um, and kind of help them get over a lot of those, those bumps. That's great. And Gloria? Well, um, it's, it's very interesting to share that I'm also from next door neighbor <laughs> because um, across the street, uh, we have a dear, uh, lovely lady and came to me to say, hey, Gloria, we're actually trying to find someone who can speak Mandarin. Uh, so I asked her about like what the field you are in right now. And then she explained about egg donation, uh, surrogacy was really new to me. And that was maybe about like 11 years ago. And, but <laughs> so very quickly, uh, I met with Gail and we talk about it. And 10 years later, I'm here. So I think the best part about um, donor concierge and also about this field is you really feel the joy of helping people they have the needs and also is a really struggling um, frustrating journey for most of the Indian parents and we're here to really give them the hands holding make sure that their journey can go as smoothly as possible so here I am excellent well, I'm going to open and just give a little bit of context as to how I know you both. So I am somebody who went through a medical issue in my 20s. I had leukemia. And so I knew at the age of 25, I wasn't going to be able to carry my own children or likely use my own eggs um, and decided I'm 45 now at 40 
when I was still waiting for Prince Charming to show up that uh, I wanted to be a mom and was going to do this independently. And there's a lot of intervening factors, but I was very lucky to come across both of you from a clinic um, and get to use your services to help me find both an egg donor and a surrogate. And now, as I shared earlier, I am going to be on a dual, I am on a dual journey with two surrogates who are pregnant at the same time. So life is going to change, as I've been told many times in 2024. But I can't thank you both enough for the amount of work that you do to, to help give clients that relief with intended parents and the handholding through the process. Uh, you know, for context for audience members who may not know about services, talk a little bit about you know, why you were founded, what issues you were trying to address, and some of the challenges that families experience when they're looking for an egg donor, sperm donor, or surrogate. Sure. Um, and I'll start, and you jump in any time, Gloria. <laughs> so, um, you know, it probably started with the egg donor uh, piece of things, because of course, if you are creating your family and you can't use your own genetics, that's a very difficult um, decision to make. And so people were having a hard time finding someone that they could relate to. And at the time, which was, you know, quite a long time ago, um, the idea was, oh, you pick someone that is like, in the database at, at your clinic, or they may give you a list of a few um, agencies that you can look through. And because we are all very unique, there are certain things that um, any intended parent identifies with when it comes to finding a, a, an egg donor that would be a good fit for them. And so what we do is we kind of help them to go through this journey in a much more efficient way because it can be very overwhelming. You think you found the right one and, and it turns out for some reason, maybe she's not available, but we kind of can help people get through the bumps because we've done this thousands of times and anyone who is you know, facing this journey, it's gonna be new for them. No, no matter how expert they are in other areas, this is going to be a whole new field and it doesn't work the way say maybe their business does and that sort of thing. So there's a lot of navigation that goes through, you know, to help them to be able to get from point A to having a, a, a baby. So that's kind of how we got started with all of that. And, and actually, I, I, Gloria can fill in some of this too, in terms of the surrogate side of things, is that, uh, you know, we found when it came to finding a surrogate that often you would kind of get to a point where, you know, you'd have to be on a long waiting list. And, and what we do is we work with about 70 different surrogacy agencies so that we can kind of curate and help them find people. We, you know, we review the profiles and then we review the medical records. And we have someone on staff that, you know, she used to do this for you know a clinic and did this for many, many years. And so we have actually a team of people that review the medical records of surrogate candidates. So that when we're doing meetings, we know we have someone who is likely to be passed by their doctor. Obviously, we can't do the, um, you know, the medical screen, but we know that that this is a healthy person. They've had easy pregnancies. We know what the clinic wants in terms of you know the ideal BMI that they're comfortable with, and and that way, when it comes time to you know having a meeting and sharing it, we already know that there's a lot of things that are probably going to be fine, and so it just takes some of that stress away. Well, I would just love to say, you know, I work directly with Gloria. And one of the things that I think can be so overwhelming as an intended parent is you are 
so anxious, at least I was at my age, to get on the journey. And then you realize there are wait lists and egg donors don't always make it through the process for a host of medical and other personal reasons, or the clinic has a delay. Certainly I was going through the experience during COVID, which didn't make it easier. I guess one, and, and as somebody who runs a concierge business, I know some of the challenges with what the realities of the field are versus expectations. So I'm curious, Gloria, as you think about matching people with surrogates and egg donors and and even sperm donors you know how do you set and, and maybe not just you but your team how do you think about setting realistic expectations with clients around what's going to be feasible because i imagine many people you know are similar to me when i started the process i said i can't use my own eggs so i'm going to just find somebody exactly like me and that that is, that is not uh that is not feasible <laughs> or or it's very challenging i should say so Gloria, can you speak to that a little bit? Of course. I think the the biggest part for this journey is we do have a wonderful team and they have been in the industry for, you know, anywhere from maybe two, three years to 20 years. I think that is really important. And also the volume of clients we have helped on a yearly basis. So, for example, last year we helped more than 550 parents. Uh, I think that experience and dealing with different type of intended parents would give the case manager confidence to let the intended parents know, say, hey, we're the experts. We have worked with so many people. We have experienced all different kind of requirements. And also the best part about donor concierge service is we work with almost all these agencies, I don't agencies, circuit agencies. We know how they, how they works. So when we give the feedback to intended parents, we do have, we build a confidence uh, for the intended parents. So when they need to make a really, this is a hard decision to make, but they would feel, you know, they have done their part. They have uh, seen all the options on the egg donor side. They have seen all the sperm donor options. Um, and also there's an expert team like donor concierge who has done the medical records review, pre-review on the records. And also we have already done our homework in terms of what the clinic is really, you know, what is most important to the clinic, what the clinic requirements are. So I think all those things would really bring the confidence to Indian parents and to make sure, you know, when they need to go down the path, um, they have a team, uh, they have a case manager, they have a team who are going to support them to go through the journey. I think that is how we help. Uh, we help them um, to really get the whole process started. I think that makes total sense. Um, and I think one of the things to your point, Gloria, if you have a sense of urgency or if you have specific you know, requirements, I've talked to people of color who have trouble finding an egg donor or a sperm donor that matches their ethnic background, which is their preference, you know, and you're trying to do this while you're working and you're trying to do it while you're balancing other personal obligations to know that there is a team who has deep industry connections and kind you know I, when people ask me about what you do i sort of describe it as a much more personalized version of the kayak of the fertility field that i don't have to go agency by agency understand the policies and try and vet them one by one and that there is a benefit to having you know a team of folks who already have those connections 
I'd love to switch gears a little bit because I think it is something that would be of interest. You know, many of our clients that we work with, many of the folks we serve are dealing with very affluent individuals. And I know your private client services have vastly grown. Could, could one of you talk a little bit about how that got started and how it works, you know, versus going to a, a typical egg donor or sperm donor um, agency? Sure. It, it got started by people approaching us and asking us if we can help them. And, and you know, they, they are people who are used to, you know, having an assistant to take care of things for them because they have very busy lives and careers. And so basically it's like hiring us to be their fertility assistant. Um, and in some cases we may be involved um, all the way through to the birth and sometimes even a little bit after because we have um, you know been involved in terms of helping them to you know set up uh, arrangements for you know having a, a nanny or or nurses that will help them out when they first go home so it, it's something that you know and Gloria can probably add more to this but you know it's like we just are handling all the details so that they don't have to and I'm thinking about even more specifically when you're searching on uh, behalf of somebody who may have specific preferences. You know, one of the things yeah. I have concerns about when I went to a sperm donor bank is you question, okay, I'm going to choose donor 87462. And you hope that his profile is actually accurate, which there's been some controversy we know in the field about whether all the, the donor profiles were captured appropriately. Um, but secondly, you know, for me, you had to read about, as you read about, donor children and donor siblings and how many children has this this particular donor potentially had you know there there was an appeal yeah. for me to think about is there a way to find i wasn't necessarily personally comfortable with getting a egg donor or sperm donor that i knew personally that was going to be a part of my life mm -hmm. over the long haul but i could see an appeal to saying gosh i have particular criteria in an ideal world, I'm going to find someone who matches that, who maybe isn't readily available in a bank. Are you seeing increased interest in this? And are there, is it a challenging search to go through? Or are you finding that families are happy with where they land when they, when they find someone in that manner? Glory, why don't you talk about that? Yeah, that is, um, that is something we do. And we have um, really increase this part of uh, business, which is there are definitely needs for infant parents who's looking for um, sperm donor or egg donor meet their specific requirements. And they have seen all the possible options um, who's available uh, on the sperm bank or um, all the egg donor agencies, but they have really specific requirements. So for example, um, they want to find someone who's gonna exclusively work for them. And in that case, what we do is we would help Indian parents with a direct search program. So we're gonna run uh, like a, a ad campaign and we help them to create a, a really lovely landing page, talk about who they are, why this is really important to them. And also we have a wonderful marketing team gonna work with them to find the right donor options. Um, in most of the cases, um, after they have seen all the possible options and also of course, from the case manager they're gonna work with to educate them about, you know, you need to be realistic about, um, you know, how specific you want to be for your donor. And also now after all the efforts we have put into these, 
here are so many great options. Which one are you going to choose? And also, this is not only about how many candidates they will review from the direct search campaign. This is also about, you know, really you have a case manager doing the hands holding with you to give you the education in terms of, for example, wow, there's two donors I really like. I like them equally. How are you going to make my final decision? Typically, we would recommend them to think about, you know, for example, when your child is growing up and ask you, hey, mom, tell me why you choose this sperm donor. And you need to you know, you need to give them the story. But things like that, a lot of parents, when they try to find the right options, they don't know what to focus. You know, sometimes they will say, oh, I want to find someone that from Ivy League or um, they only ACT score 36. So a lot of times, you know, we try to tell internet parents, you have to, the way you need to think about it and also how you're going to make your decision. So I think that is really about the private client side, uh, directed search services. Um, you have someone really doing the hands holding, not only to provide you the options, but help you to be comfortable making a decision. And also, even after you make a decision, the private client team will stay with you until, you know, like milestones. For example, you already have embryos created, or on the surrogacy side, you already have a heartbeat confirmation. Or as Gail mentioned, you have a baby born already and also bring the baby back to your home country. Wonderful. So I'm gonna switch gears a little bit and just ask more generic questions because I think so many of the folks who listen to this are probably unfamiliar. Certainly the people in my circle did not, I had to probably explain the creation of embryos 17 times, you know, and it, including to myself. I mean, even very smart people, this is, as somebody who was raised Catholic, this is not how I thought I was gonna have children. And so while I'm thrilled about the result, it, it, it certainly took me a while to wrap my head around it. But, you know, I think one basic question, and, and this comes from a cynical place for a lot of people, you know, do sperm donors, egg donors, surrogates, and I'm particularly focusing on those last two categories, you know, are they doing it just for financial motivations? Like, what has been your experience with working with these individuals as to why they're motivated to do this? You know, I, I think that's a really good question, and it is something that people always is, uh, kind of wonder about, worry about, or they sometimes intended parents may see this as like, this person's doing this as like a job. It's not their job. You know, they, they anyone who's willing to do this, it's still, it's it's a, you know, well, not to be too flippant, but sperm donation's a little bit easier. <laughs> um, but when it comes to, you know, <laughs> egg donation, surrogacy, you know, it's not a walk in the park. <laughs> So I, I have found that um, the people who choose to be egg donors, we'll start there, tend to be um, people who are, you know, there may be initially the motivation of the financial um, benefit to be able to pay off some student loans or that sort of thing. But it, it, it tends to be they have more of a heart for this because, you know, maybe they know someone who has, you know, struggled with fertility in their family or friends, that sort of thing. And so they have been introduced to it in that way. And so they want to be able to do something to help. And and they do feel, you know, really good about having helped someone to achieve their dream. And I, I'd say the same thing when it comes to surrogacy. Usually the women who choose to be surrogates, uh, sure, the financial part will help them to achieve some dreams, but that's not why they do this. They actually, it, it's people who 
have easy pregnancies, easy deliveries. It's something they, they enjoy being pregnant. They have a family of their own. You can't be a surrogate if you haven't already had, you know, at least at least one child. And it's something where they can give the most amazing joy to someone else. And, you know, sort of like imagine giving someone for Christmas the thing that they've always wanted and having a child is so much more than that. So it's something where they feel like not only are they, they kind of giving an amazing gift, they're receiving a gift of the joy that they get from having helped someone. Um, and I, I can't speak as much to the surrogate side, I mean, of the sperm donor side of things. Sure. But I think we've, we've had really, you know, um, in the directed searches that we've done, We've come across some really wonderful men who just like you'd be happy to have them, you know, because they're just kind, thoughtful. And, you know, we just did an interview with a um, same sex couple who did a directed search for their sperm donor. And and, and you, you can see that a part of it, at least on our site, but they are just like they're thrilled. They got a chance to speak with him and they feel, you know, really, really good. And, and this is a, a couple that they want to have at least four kids, you know, so wow. they're, they're pregnant with their first right now. <laughs> I love, I love hearing stories like that. And so I guess another question, this is a little bit more delicate, but, you know, obviously the people, these, these services are expensive, not specifically your services. Um, yeah. Of course, there is an expense, but it's really the process itself. You know, for, for someone like me who's doing egg donor, sperm donor, surrogate, it's it's extraordinarily expensive. And there is typically, I, I imagine not always, but a difference in the socioeconomic backgrounds of the intended parents and the folks who are who are going to be egg donors. But particularly surrogates, where you have an extended nine-month relationship with the person um, mm -hmm. and you're navigating all sorts of choices you know I'll, I'll be very honest in saying i've had to navigate decisions about am i going to get a vaccine or not and and try and sit back and say i would prefer x but you would prefer y and we're going to have to work through it i guess you know talk to me a little bit about how your staff sort of manages not just the expectation but helps intended parents emotionally to go through this process where I'm imagining if any of them are like me, you're quite controlling. You like to be in charge. You have certain ways you want to run things. And this is the most precious, you know, situation. You're, you know, if it's your own genetics, it's your own DNA, and you might be on your last embryo. For me, regardless of where the genetics came from, you want to see a healthy baby come into the world. That's the only concern you have. Um, but I can imagine for the agency in between, it can be a bit of push-pull. So I'm curious how you navigate those sorts of issues. Well, I'll talk a little bit about the agency and then and I think Gloria maybe can address some of the other issues. But I think sometimes, sometimes we wind up being a buffer between the agency and the intended parents um, because the, you know, the agencies that we work with are run by wonderful people, very heart driven people, they may not necessarily be, you know, some are, are quite polished business people, but generally speaking, they may not be. That's just not, you know, kind of where they came from. And so, you know, often we wind up being kind of a buffer in between and, and just kind of helping with kind of the communication at times, because sometimes the intended parents may not necessarily want to be communicating directly with um, with the, the agency. And so sometimes, but particularly when it comes to private client, that's what we do. Um, and Gloria, you can probably talk about other issues that you've encountered as we are helping our clients. 
Of course, I think in most of the cases, what we do is, you know, Arden, as you know, we offer um, a, a free consultation upfront, mainly because we know we want to learn about the Indian parents' expectations, and also we want to set up the right expectations even before they got started. So after they start working with our team, we also offer like a really good hands-holding program to make sure that we understand all the details. You know, for example, on the service side uh, of match, we want to know, you know, for example, um, pump the breast milk. Uh, we want to know vaccination requirements. We want, we want to know in the parents' clinic vaccination requirements. Um, we want to learn about uh, how often you want to communicate with the uh, surrogate. Do you want to be at each appointment? Or do you want to just be there for the you know big milestone appointments? So all those details we have the experience to deal with in parents, and we will go through every single details before we even start anything. So once we learn their preferences, at that point we'll start looking for options. So we're going to start reaching out to seventy plus agencies, and also based on medical records, if she looks really good. At that point, we want to learn about the surrogate site preferences. And sometimes mm -hmm. we want to find out, hey, you know, I know my Indian parents really well, but now I want to have a conversation with the agency to learn more about the surrogate personality, you know, like if she is sure. the right option. So that is normally how we, how we help to put a match together, not only about the basic, you know, bottom line, which is, you know, records has to be approved by the sure. parents' clinic. And also, you know, if the clinic requires vaccination and also that's the Indian parents' strong preferences, and surrogate that who has been COVID vaccinated, she has to be from a really green light states, which is surrogate friendly states. So all the things we will put together, but in the meanwhile, it's a match between um, the you know, the parents' personality, the surrogate personality, and also even the surrogate agency personality, because we know some Indian parents have a way to uh, to get you know review agency agreements. Some agencies they have their own preferences, and so we not we put all the uh, parts into consideration before we put a match together. So that's normally how it works. Do you have to say no to certain clients who you look at coming through the door and you say this, you know, either their expectations or their demeanor is just going to be off-putting? Uh, occasionally, most of yes. <laughs> occasionally, yes. Um, I think the way we're going to share with the parents is we want to let them know how long we have been doing this, how many parents we have helped to put together, how many agencies we have worked with, and also let them know you know, I understand this is your preferences, but you cannot have all the check boxes at the end. Do you comfortable with that? And also, if you can be flexible, which check box can be flexible? So we help, that's why I mentioned about earlier that to set up expectations at the very beginning is really, really important because if we don't agree with a realistic uh, expectations, we won't be able to help you. So in most of the cases, yeah. once Indian parents learn how we works and we help them build the confidence about our process, and 
we have a hundred percent matching rate so far. So uh, we can we can match Indian parents. Sometimes when Indian parents have really specific requirements, it's just a matter of time. It might take a little bit longer time to find them someone. I would also say though, it, it's only occasional that we have to like say no, we can't work with someone. But often they wind up. You know, we have a, a joke that we say all roads lead to donor concierge because if people are looking for some very very specific things. Often they go off and they try to, you know, find what they want elsewhere, and then they kind of come back, and often they will have adjusted sort of their expectations a bit because we can find pretty much anything. We just can't find everything necessarily all in one person. I, I think that's a really good point, and I think for me, the biggest educational process was going through. Uh, working with a surrogate and realizing it is a true partnership. And everybody can say that in a very kind of lovey-dovey way in the beginning. I think when you really are there and you're realizing, and I think, you know, like many intended parents, you assume you're hiring someone, you're paying the fees. It feels like you should get what you want, quote unquote. And for me, it was a real learning process that if you approach it that way, not only are you going to turn off surrogates in the beginning, which is the time when everybody should be the most excited, but it's going to make the long, it's going to make the process much longer and much more complicated than it needs to be. So I have found, mm -hmm. I really yeah. found that looking at it and saying, okay, here are my preferences, being very straightforward with what I expect and what my hopes are, and then accepting when, you know what, I really would have preferred she did X, Y, Z, she isn't willing to, and I'm just going to have to, I want to retain the relationship and keep positive uh, communication going throughout this pregnancy that I'm going to just have to sacrifice my own wishes. I think that was for me a big education. You know, one question I have is around high profile clients. So clients who are recognized by the public or come from extraordinarily wealthy families, our firm certainly deals with folks like this. Does that complicate your process at all? Does it complicate matching on either egg donor side, but I'm particularly thinking surrogacy side. Um, is it just a, is it just a more nuanced match or has that not, is that not been really a factor as you think about it? It's the same as any other match. It's, it's a bit of a mix. It is more nuanced, but it can be also the same as any other match. And, and again, it may depend on kind of what they're looking for and what their preferences are. But, um, you know, we are, confidentiality is extraordinarily important, even if they're not famous. Um, but, you know, certainly if they are very concerned about, um, you know, anonymity, we also have, you know, uh, we've signed contracts saying that we will not reveal any, any information and, and we will give them an anonymous name when we're working with them. So uh, at certain points, certainly they will have to, you know, especially in a surrogate case. In a, in a donor case, they, they don't ever have to know who the, the recipient is, as um, long as the, the, um, you know, the donor is okay with that. But um, at a certain point, the you know, surrogate is going to need to know, but she will need to sign contracts as well. Um, and so, and just to be thoughtful and respectful of their privacy. And so lots of attorneys that are involved with all of this. So. <laughs> Yeah, good. It's, it's not a legally charged field anyway. I mean, it's, if you're just the average person like <laughs> myself, I feel like I drown in contracts most weeks. Um, no, this is, yeah, this is really exactly. helpful. I guess my, 
my last question to both of you would be is like, where do you see this field going? What are you excited about? Is it this, you know, more directed searches? Is it expanded, you know, geography? Um, but it seems to me, given sort of the later stage that people are having children, the higher number of same-sex couples than we've had in the past, that that I would think the world is your oyster in terms of expansion opportunities. Are there particular areas that you see needs or that you're excited about? Yeah. I, I think I see um, opportunities really on both ends of the spectrum, because I think that um, one area that I always feel fairly passionate about is embryo donation. And so for those people who cannot afford to do this or have a moral qualm about, you know, maybe creating more embryos, because there are embryos out there that um, can be, uh, you know, acquired and then, you know, they can create their family. And though we don't call it adoption, of course, um, but it's, you know, it, they get to start from the very beginning that way. Um, and so I think that's a wonderful area. But I also think that the, you know, the, the directed search um, and um, I think more openness sometimes as well can be mm -hmm. something in the future. I mean, obviously not everyone's going to want to have more openness per se, but I have found over the X number of years I've been in this field that there's more and more uh, of a desire to make sure that when their child is older, that they have access to more information because it happens. You know, I've been this long enough that I have like someone who has 24 year old twins that asked me to, you know, find their donor to ask some additional questions. And I found that donors are usually great about that. You know, that this is kind of who they are. That's why they were willing to be a donor to begin with. So, um, so information and, uh, you know, so that, so that it's more of a norm for, your, for the child. Um, and it's not something, I think that's something you always have to think about is that um, you're creating a family. It's, you know, so this is something that, that, you know, all of you as a family need to be thoughtful of the story that, uh, of how your family was created and, and something that they can all be comfortable with. So I think that's a good balance too. Glory, you may have more to add. No, I, I totally agree because I think donor concierge has been around for 17 years is because we're doing the right thing. And mm -hmm. as long as Indian parents has a needs and, you know, we're here to support them. Um, openness, yeah. you know, I donation openness um, and semi-open donation, whichever Indian parents is comfortable with, uh, you know, for high profile clients and also, you know, any clients. Um, whatever is really important to them we're here to listen and also to give them all the guidelines and make sure they can have a really comfortable decision and also to help them to build a trust uh, with this journey i love that and i i love your comment gail about openness you know i will kind of conclude our talk today by referencing a friend's podcast of my good friend, Julia Carroll has a podcast called Storked. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, um, but it's all about yeah. the unique ways that, that families are brought together. And, and it covers things like egg donation, sperm donation, adoption, single parenting, all sorts of different ways in which families are coming into this world. And part of what I, I mean, I first talked about my journey on our podcast and it was funny. I, I had done the podcast, she had tagged me on LinkedIn, and then all of a sudden, all these people who I'd never talked about surrogacy with were texting, congrats, yeah. <laughs> and I thought, well, how did they hear about this? And then I realized it was on her podcast. <laughs> um, 
but but yeah. you know I, it was a real dilemma at the time because you're in an early stage you're nervous about is this you know could there be a mishap I, you know as both of you know i had a stillbirth at at 36 weeks with a, yeah. a prior surrogate which was a really unfortunate thing so you you worry about that as the intended parent you also worry about how people are going to react i come from an irish catholic family and so i thought gosh i'm really going to go public with this and i have to say to your point yeah. gail like what drove the decision for me is thinking about i'm going to raise hopefully one now two daughters and i want their story to be not one of shame not that mom didn't want to talk about the fact that she's not your genetic mom, but where you come from. And I think if, for yeah. me at least, the way, if I could remain in present with that mentality, it was much easier to make decisions around who I disclosed what to, at what point um, with that in mind. So I think your point about openness is spot yeah. on. Thank you. And, and you know, cause our, so our, I, what I feel like our job is to be advocates and liaison for intended parents because that's something that I feel like sometimes can kind of get like lost in the whole process. Um, just because, you know, clinics are very busy. They don't always have someone who has can spend a lot of time with the patient to kind of help them through all of these things. Um, and, and so we help to guide by being the advocate and liaison. And I think part of that is educating our, our clients in terms of beyond, you know, the birth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for all of the work that you did on my behalf, Gloria and Gail. Um, I'm thrilled to say that. We're very excited for you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Very excited for myself. And like I said, a little a little terrified. I was looking at new cars and realizing I'm going to have to drive a boat around to accommodate two children and three small dogs. <laughs> so uh, that that's that's coming uh, soon enough. But, but also just want to thank you for coming on today's show and talking openly about an area that I think can be sensitive for a lot of families because there is still some stigma um, out there about these types of issues. So thank you both. Thank you to our listeners and our viewers. And if you're so inclined, please give this episode or other episodes of Beyond the Balance Sheet a positive rating on your podcast platform of choice. And hopefully you'll tune in to our next episode. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Balance Sheet, a podcast designed to help advisors, clinical professionals, and affluent families solve some of their biggest medical, psychiatric, and emotional challenges. Visit beyondthebalancesheet.com to read more about our guests and resources and sign up for our newsletter.